Yes, we're open. Living Faith with Needham UCC, a sermon podcast from the Congregational Church of Needham United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you're invited and welcome. This sermon for March 6th, 2022, the first Sunday in Lent, is entitled In the Wild Dark. It's a reflection on a reading from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to find out more about our open and affirming ministries at the Congregational Church of Needham, United Church of Christ, simply head over to our website, www.needhamucc.org. Thank you. Just a couple of months ago, when I was presenting Barbara Brown Taylor's book, Learning to Walk in the Dark, to our board of deacons as a possible candidate for our Lenten book study, I'd gotten only so far as the subtitle, because God, some, because sometimes God shows up at night, when nearly as one, the deacon said, that one. We should read that one. Darkness, it seems, was on everyone's mind. And can you blame them? Two years this week into the pandemic that has killed six million people worldwide and widened already existing social divisions, economic inequalities, and racial disparities. Just a year on from the attempted overthrow of the United States government and our democratic institutions by armed insurrectionists emboldened by the president on January 6th, 2021. Heading towards our second summer since the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and Manuel Ellis. Adding their names along with Dante Wright and Lindani Mayeni in 2021 and Jason Walker in 2022 already to a seemingly ever-growing list of Black folks killed on the streets of our country, often by those charged to serve and protect them. Along, of course, with the sustained spike in hate crimes targeting Asians and Asian Americans. Fueled by climate change, the American West now burns almost continuously while the South and Midwest are battered by superstorms and floods. And now, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, raising the very real threat of an all-out military conflict in Europe. Suddenly, war isn't something reserved for and ignored in the developing world anymore. Mass shootings, a housing crisis, the lack of a living wage. And I'm sure I've left out, I'm sure I have blocked out plenty more situations where we pray God would show up. Not to mention everything else that we and you have suffered individually of late. The everyday extraordinary challenges of our lives. Dark days indeed. And then Barbara Brown Taylor would ask us to ask ourselves, why it got to be dark? Not why does there have to be actual darkness, but why do we characterize darkness the way that we do? Actual darkness presents its own challenges. 
dangers our ancestors knew all too well as they huddled around their fires to endure up to 14 hours of darkness a day. And you thought daylight saving was bad. But why in our own time do we go on filling the dark with everything bad, everything sad, evil, or negative, dark days, dark thoughts, dark deeds, the stain of sin, the fog of ignorance, spiritual blindness, and the valley of the shadow of death. The characterization the church has reinforced and exacerbated with our own entrenched binary language of light, good, dark, bad. Barbara Brown Taylor should know she's been an Episcopal priest for nearly 40 years now. She has been steeped, as have we all, in this language. But as she writes, at the theological level, this binary language creates all sorts of problems. It divides every day in two, pitting the light part against the dark part. It tucks all the sinister stuff into the dark part. Sinister even, originally meaning just left-handed, and now so much more. It identifies God with the sunny part and leaving us to deal with the rest on our own time. It implies things about dark-skinned people and sight-impaired people that are not true. Worst of all, it offers people of faith a giant closet in which they, we, can store everything that threatens or frightens us without thinking too much about all those things. It rewards us for our unconsciousness, offering spiritual justification for turning away from those things, for God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. 1 John 1, 5. But isn't God more than that? Isn't God always more than we can imagine? To my mind, that's literally the definition of God. And specifically, our God is more than merely light and bright and inhabits more than just the shiny, happy, certain parts of our world and our lives. Yes, the language of both Jewish and Christian scriptures skews heavily toward the light. But both Jewish and Christian mystics, ancient and modern, believe that God does in fact show up in the dark too. In uncertain times and places, even in suffering. Not as suffering, but among those who are experiencing suffering. When God shows up on Mount Sinai to share Torah with Moses and the people in the book of Exodus, the theophany par excellence, it's not with the glaring lights of a mothership landing, but in a cloud dark with glory and purpose. Just last week, we read the story of the transfiguration from Luke's gospel. Another mountaintop meeting with God, characterized, again, not by certainty, but by confusion. Peter and James and John do not know what to do or even what to say. It's characterized by this confusion and change. That's 
what the word transfiguration means. And again, it is obscured by thick cloud, the deepest heart of the revelation. This is my son. Listen to him comes when the disciples have been utterly deprived of sight. And of course, the mystery of Jesus's resurrection begins with darkness falling across the land at his death on the cross on Good Friday and is made complete on Easter morning while it is still dark. Despite all those glorious glowing oil paintings to the contrary. When we fence our lives around with the brightest artificial lights, the sunniest artificial faith possible, we cut ourselves off from those parts of God and ourselves and our neighbors that may be found in the dark. The parts we are least acquainted with, the very parts we need most for the living of these hours, the facing of these days. Because when the lights go out, when certainty fails us, when we are faced with unprecedented times, or at least times unfamiliar to us, and unforeseen challenges, friends, we need a new way to make our way. Our sense of sight, oh, so handy in the daylight when things are clear and clearly defined, is a kind of shortcut. It is, in fact, a kind of handicap. It allows us to move quickly, yes, in the light and largely without thinking. Handy at times. But in the dark, it's awfully easily easy to drive beyond our headlights, physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually. And that gets us into trouble deeper than the dark itself. On a very practical level, Barbara Brown Taylor says, we pay a high price to shut out the darkness. We glue our eyes to screens by day while electric light hampers our ability to sleep at night. Our spiritual avoidance of the dark may be even more dangerous. Our culture has a low tolerance for sadness, for instance. We're supposed to just get over it, to fix it, to purchase something, exercise, do whatever it takes to become less sad, she says. Turning into the darkness instead of away from it is the cure for a lot of what ails me. Because I have a deep need to be in control of things. Raise the hands of your heart if that sounds familiar. I have a deep need to know where I am going, to be sure of my destination, to get there efficiently, to have all the provisions I need, to do it all without help. And you cannot do any of that in the dark. Maybe we have begun to experience that and learn that for ourselves in these dark days. Here's where we turn to our scripture reading today. 
this possibly familiar, possibly over-familiar story with which we begin the season of Lent every year. The story of Jesus being tempted by the devil in the wilderness. And friends, what's, what's darker than the wilderness out beyond the city lights? And according to popular bright and shiny theology, where else should we encounter the devil but the dark? In our most common reading of this tale, Jesus, mighty Jesus, literally the son of God, get it? And Lord of light goes forth into the wilderness to do battle with the dark one and defeat him by virtue of his bright power, his sheer knowledge, ability, and faith. Considered this way, Jesus isn't the the pioneer of our faith. The writer of the letter to the Hebrews calls him, guiding us along the way as we grope along in uncertainty for that transforming encounter with God at the ground of all being. Rather, told this way, Jesus is Superman, champion of the light. Which leaves us where exactly? In his shadow, of course. Always less than, always striving for a lopsided sort of half perfection we can never hope to achieve, even if we really, really try, even if we really, really want to. But then I remembered we're reading this story today out of sequence. Luke never intended. This to be Jesus' showdown with the devil at the climax of the gospel narrative, at the height of his powers. Rather, in Luke's retelling, Jesus' ministry begins here. Begins with this journey into the wild places. And with his engagement with the deep questions we all have about what our relationship with God and our neighbors and ourselves should be. So I began to imagine in the dark heart of my imagination, setting certainty aside, I began to imagine what if instead of striding forth to do battle armed with all the hard certainty of a tried and true Messiah, what if Jesus doesn't know? What if Jesus willingly walks out into the dark, armed, only with his questions? What if Jesus, even Jesus, doesn't know the answers yet? What if the wild dark is the place Jesus goes to get away from all the bright distractions of his life to see and hear and smell and taste and learn what he does not yet know. To find that the devil is in the details to be sure, but so also is God. Don't miss that little tiny bit at the very top of the retelling that it is the spirit of God that goes with Jesus. 
that accompanies him. In, in fact, according to the gospel of Mark, it is the spirit of God that drives Jesus out past the world of knowing into the shadows. What if Jesus goes to the dark to learn and grow and change and become what he was always intended to be? Something unknown, something altogether different, something he could scarce imagine before, like a caterpillar doing time in the fertile darkness of a cocoon, being broken down for sure, but also remade, retrofit for a new moment and a new way in the world. Friends, I am convinced that light alone will not save us. I am convinced that what we know already, or what we think we know, has not and will not and cannot save us. The world's salvation, especially in this sort of moment, the world's salvation and our own depends on what we do not know and on who we do not know yet. It depends on our willingness to go with Jesus into the wild places, the dark places, the uncertain places, and learn how to walk in the dark. Practice walking into the great hazy cloud of unknowing, of as yet unknown or unacknowledged witnesses, both outside ourselves and inside ourselves. And to do it with curiosity and courage. Who are they really? All those others I think I know. Who am I really to the degree that I think I know myself? Who may we become that we haven't even imagined? Yet still, Sunday after Sunday, day after day, we pray for the sun to rise and burn it all off. As a resurrection were a daylight fact and not a nighttime mystery. So this is my prayer for Lent this year. Lord, when I wake at 4 a.m., Lord, when I find that 4 a.m. feeling, watching the news or scrolling my news feed, when I find it in my own fears and anxieties, when I find it in the garish light of day, in the glaring light of supposed certainty and manufactured control, Lord, when I find the darkness, wherever it is, help me to resist the temptation to turn on the light for fear, for sure. Help me to open my eyes to the dark and the gifts of the dark.
Help me to open my heart. So, beloved, if you have heard the word of God preached here today, remember to give all honor and glory to our one God, Creator, Christ, and Holy Spirit.